Hello and welcome to the Northgate Podcast, where we aim to bring people closer to Christ, build them up, and empower them to go out into the world and make a positive impact. With our inspiring content and engaging discussions, this podcast serves as a beacon of hope and spiritual growth for all its listeners. The purpose of the Northgate Podcast can be summed up by our mission to bring people to Christ, build them up in that relationship, and send them out. This motto encapsulates our dedication to help individuals discover the transformative power of Christ's love, nurture their faith, and develop a strong foundation in their spiritual journey. Now here is today's message. All right, good morning. Man, that's how you worship right there. That was awesome. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah. You guys look great. Love seeing so much Bills gear, a lot of jerseys. Might be a new record for jerseys today. I love seeing that. Um, but I need like a little bit of time where I don't think about the game, uh, something that I have absolutely no control over. So I'm going to put that aside for a little bit. We're going to continue our soul care series. Feeling alone is a part of the human condition. It's not a fun or enjoyable part of it, but it's definitely a relatable part. And it is apparently a really great part to sing about based on the music over the course of several generations. Only a few of you will remember in 1949 when Hank Williams was so lonesome that he could cry. Well, that was Hank Williams Sr., right? Not even Hank Williams Jr. Some more of you will remember in 1960 when Roy Orbison sang that only the lonely knew the way that he felt. The Beatles looked at all the lonely people and they wondered where they all came from, including, of course, Eleanor Rigby and Father Mackenzie. If you were born in the 1900s, like I was, and not the 2000s, then you know that Bobby Vinton was Mr. Lonely long before Akon was. Billy Joel saw people sharing a drink called loneliness, but he knew that it was better than drinking alone. If we move forward a few decades, Celine Dion found herself all by herself. The Backstreet Boys asked someone to show them the meaning of being lonely. Green Day walked a lonely road in the boulevard of broken dreams. In 2018, Martin Garrix and Dua Lipa were scared to be alone. And even the most famous person in the world right now, Taylor Swift, she sang The Outside about how she feels like she's always on the outside looking in. Right? And I, I do hope in a few hours, Taylor's on the outside of the AFC Championship game <laughs> looking in. We're not charismatic till you bring up the bills. What does that say? Like people are like, this is a good sermon. You bring up the bills and then, whatever, all right, let's go. So if today's soul care topic, if it relates to you, you are not alone. And it's, I feel alone. Now I just wanna say for some of you, this is an area where you're good, right? Sometimes you're like, man, come to church and I've gotta go home and I got something I really need to work on. And this might just kind of be a, a good reminder for you to continue to prioritize this. But we're gonna talk about some things and you might be saying, hey, I'm doing okay in this area. And if you are, that's great. I wanna encourage you, but I also wanna make sure you continue to make that a priority. Because depending on where you are in your life right now, what age and stage you're in, you'll either be shocked or maybe validated by the next quote that I'm gonna show you you. It's from a study on loneliness in a medical journey, the pub, uh, journal, the Public Library of Science Medicine. Here's what they said. Loneliness has such far-reaching consequences that the health impact is comparable to smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is associated with an increased risk of heart disease, depression, and cognitive decline. 
Listen, if you came to me and you said that you were smoking 15 cigarettes a day, I would say, this is something we need to start working on right now, right? This isn't a next year problem. This is a today problem. There's a, that's a habit that will kill you far too quickly. So we should get started with a plan of how to stop that. And so if the impact of loneliness on our health is comparable to that, we better take it pretty seriously. I'm not trying to scare you into relationships or connections today, but I do want you to see this is a serious issue. And part of the problem is that as a society, we've never been more connected, and yet at the same time, we've never had a bigger issue with loneliness. Do you remember in Back to the Future 2, Marty McFly, he sees the older version of himself video chatting with someone, and it was incredible. Nine-year-old me was like blown away. Like, do you think we could actually do that? We could talk to someone on the phone, but see them while we're talking to them. Like, that's crazy. I can't imagine ever being able to do that. Well, there's an app on my phone called FaceTime. And if somebody FaceTimes me and it's not Amy or one of my kids, I'm like, what are you? I'm going to get a restraining order, right? I don't need to see your face that close and you don't need to see my face that close. And so we have more ways to connect than ever, but they're generally pretty surface level and pretty shallow. And I do want to encourage you, just especially in regards to loneliness, be very careful with social media. Social media can be a good first step to make a connection with someone, but social media is not a real, lasting, or authentic community. Don't let algorithms uh, designed to keep you on the site or the app as long as possible determine your connections. So avoid making social media your main platform for human connection, or you'll be on the path to loneliness. What we need is real human connection. When I was a kid, I grew up in this area, but I spent the summers, three summers of my life in Maine with my grandparents. And looking back, they were like the best times of my childhood. I loved being up there with them, loved just having my grandparents all to myself. And one of the things I really loved was all the connection. Because my grandmother's house, she was like, that was like the main hub for everybody. So there's always coffee on, she made homemade donuts, there's always food there, and people throughout the day would just stop in. 20, 30 people, right? My dad's cousins, would stop in, my aunts and uncles, my cousins, my grandfathers, brothers, sisters, everyone would just stop in. Like it was a thing that they did. And they'd come and they'd sit around the table and they'd have a cup of coffee and they'd just talk about not much, truthfully, but they were just there, right? They're from Maine. They didn't talk about feelings. We can't say that. But they just talk about life a little bit. And so I remember saying to my grandmother, I love this. I love that at your house, people just come over and stop and, and that's how they connect. And she said, well, what do they do in New York? She said, what do they do in New York? Because that's where she was from. And I was like, well, I guess if you wanted to check on someone, you would just call. And I remember her laughing. She's like, why would you call them when you could just go over to their house? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. And now if you tried to explain text messages to her, it's like a phone call, but I don't want to interrupt you at all. So I'll just send it and you can come back. And so technology, it gives us this, this feeling of being connected, but it doesn't address the actual lingering feeling of loneliness. It would be like if, if you were really thirsty on a hot day. Does, does anybody remember hot days? You remember hot days, right? Okay, we'll have some more. Feels like it's a ways off. But if you're really thirsty on a hot day and, and you grab like a 7-Up or a Mountain Dew, right? It's going to taste good for a little bit, but it is ultimately going to leave you even more thirsty. You get that like sugary, sweet, sticky feeling in your mouth, and you're like, man, I didn't need this. What I needed was water. Water is the right plan for addressing thirst. Well, God's plan for loneliness is authentic community. 
And so there's good news in there that God does have a plan for loneliness. And it's not limited to certain stages of life. It's not only for people of a particular marital status. Wherever you are, whoever you are, if you're struggling with loneliness, the answer is authentic community. Now, some of you are saying, all right, like, what is authentic community? Don't just use that phrase and not tell us a little bit. I would refer you to our core values. One of our eight core values is that we are a relational church. We aspire to be a relational church. And if you read that definition, it says relationships that are characterized by honesty, openness, and vulnerability, right? Honesty, openness, and vulnerability. So an authentic community is a place where you can truly be yourself and you can be known and loved as you are. And we need this. We all need to be known and loved. Yes, we need that from God, but we also need it from other human beings too. It reminds me of my favorite quote from the now late pastor Tim Keller, who said, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. So just before we get further into God's plan for loneliness, and I wanna share some biblical accounts of loneliness, I just need to give one disclaimer clarification up front, especially for the extroverts, and that is that a certain amount of being alone is healthy and helpful, okay? We do need to be alone a bit. There were times in my life where I was absolutely terrible at this. Like it's not my natural wiring. When we took Myers-Briggs at the beginning of seminary, I was 20 to zero on the extrovert to introvert scale. And I lived with four other guys, and so they were always around, and I was dating Amy, and it was just like, I, no matter what, I had somebody to be with. I could always be with someone. I never had to be by myself, and consequently, I got pretty bad at being by myself. But having kids... See, having kids really makes you appreciate quietness and being alone in a way that maybe you didn't before, right? There's a whole stage of life where you're like a 20-minute ride in the car by yourself is heaven, right? You're like, there's no kids, there's no one screaming, there's no one saying, Daddy, look at this, right? It just that sounds amazing. And so you progress and you get a little older and you realize that maybe being alone isn't always the worst thing. And so you'll find me sitting alone in a coffee shop. I do like to go to the movies by myself. I enjoy flying by myself. I'd always rather fly with Amy, but I like to travel by myself as well. And Jesus, he consistently demonstrates demonstrated this for us, that time alone is both healthy and helpful. Despite the disciples, despite the crowds that followed after him more and more once his power started to become known, Jesus prioritized time alone. Couple examples from the Gospels. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 4.42, the first half of that says at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Luke 5.16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus got this. He understood the importance of this. We should get this as well. We do need some time alone. We need time alone to pray, we need time alone to be quiet and listen to God. We need time alone to reflect. Where are my hunters, right? Got any hunters here? Yeah, just a few. You guys did way better raising your hand. Thank you. Hunters get this probably better than anybody else. Because I, I know you love, to, you love to shoot a deer, right, or a turkey. I know you like to do that. I know you like to fill the freezer, and there's other motives. But you love to be in the quiet by yourself. You love to get up early when it's still dark and walk through the woods and you hear the crackling under your feet and no one's talking to you and no one's bothering you. There's no music, there's nothing else. It's just quiet and you watch the sun come up and it's just you and God and it's nature and you're hoping like a 12-point buck, but it might just be you, God, and nature. 
You get that. You get the importance and how good it is for our soul to be alone. But while being alone can be healthy and helpful, being lonely isn't. Because there is a significant difference between being alone and being lonely. At times, it can be great to be alone for a while, but at other times, you can be in a crowd and feel absolutely all alone at the same time. I think that's one of the loneliest feelings when you're around a ton of people and you're just aware that you're completely alone in that. You can be with another person and you can feel all alone. Marriage is not an instant cure for loneliness. Unfortunately, there's a lot of married people that know that all too well. They know it better than they wish they did. You have to build authentic community even within a marriage. That doesn't magically arrive a few days after the wedding in the mail, right? The the marriage license comes, but that authentic community is something you're gonna have to work at and build. And even a good, strong marriage will have periods of loneliness and feeling alone. But Jesus, as much as he did prioritize being alone and he saw the value of that, there were also a few times where he really seemed to feel the weight of being lonely. When he knows that his death is imminent, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying and he asks the disciples, please pray along with me. And he leaves to pray and he comes back and he finds them asleep. And his response is one that shows he feels abandoned and he feels alone at his time of need. And then later when the actual moment of his death comes, he feels the most alone that he's ever felt. He carries the weight of the world, the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. And at that moment, he feels like his father has left him and the loneliness in his words is palpable in Matthew 27, 46, where it says about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, our Savior and our God, he felt forsaken. He felt abandoned. He felt alone. And he is, of course, he's not the only person in the Bible to feel that way. He's not the only one to speak to this condition or to write about this condition or reflect on it. King Solomon, he wrote about the condition of loneliness in Ecclesiastes, verses four, seven through eight, it's where we're gonna start. Here's what he says. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There's a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. He's picturing this person. Maybe it's a real person he knows. Maybe it's a hypothetical person. And this person is alone. They have no one. He works hard. He has wealth. But the hard work and the wealth, it doesn't combat the loneliness. And so finally he asks, What am I working so hard for? What is the point of all this stuff? It's meaningless. All the money, all the success, all this stuff, it's all meaningless. And some of you have reached a similar conclusion in your own life that without authentic community and connection, life will feel meaningless. Money, power, success, none of that will remove your need for authentic community, your need for connection. In fact, you can get all those things and what you'll find is that without someone to share them with, there really isn't much of a point. So what's Solomon's conclusion to this matter? What does he decide? Well, the next four verses, which we do frequently hear at weddings, but they don't only pertain to a marriage relationship, say this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them 